Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are locked on Knicks. Your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome everybody to Locked On Knicks. I'm your host, James Marcita. And this is episode 185. On today's show, it's Friday... We're doing a Friday mailbag. Questions include, how do we keep Chris Stapp's Porzingis out of foul trouble? What's the Knicks' defensive ceiling this year? Who should be Clyde's eventual replacement? That's almost too painful to think about, but we'll do it. And who's most likely to be dragged out of the garden this year? A la Charles Oakley. Let's start the show. Yes! We got a lot of questions for today's mailbag. I want to thank everyone who sent one in. We won't be able to get to all of them. What I did before the show started was I put each question in a giant envelope. I put those giant envelopes into a huge sphere. I bent and froze the envelopes that I wanted to pick. But then I moved the sphere around so it seemed random and then I chose envelopes at quote-unquote random, and then we're going to answer those questions. Make sense? Straightforward? Got it? Got it? All right, good. This first question comes from Joe R., and he says, When is the NBA community going to realize that just maybe two or three years of professional Euro basketball, even with limited minutes, is more beneficial than growing up in AAU and being a one-and-done star in the NCAA. Um, I got a quibble with the basis of this question. Because you're saying that two or three years of professional Euroball is more beneficial than AAU and being a one-and-done star. Um, I think it's possible it could be but we've seen a number of guys at the highest level of the game who were one-and-done guys and are now excelling in the NBA. So here's a list. You got Carl Anthony Towns. You got Joel Embiid. Say what you will about his injuries, but his game is certainly ready. You got Anthony Davis. You got Kyrie Irving. You got John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, DeMar DeRozan, Derek Rose, say what you will about his effectiveness on last year's Knicks, and I will. He was ineffective. He was garbage, yo. But he did win an MVP award, and he was one and done. So there was, you know, it worked out for him, kind of, sort of. Kevin Love, NBA champion Kevin Love, uh, NBA champion Kevin Durant, pretty good player, right? Mike Conley. So, you know, some of the best players in the game, some real heavy hitters, are like AAU, one-and-done NCAA stars. 
Um, but I do think we've seen over and over again at this point that if the player has the right makeup for it, pro ball overseas can be just as effective. Now look at this list of players who played a couple of years overseas before being drafted. Tony Parker, Dirk Nowitzki, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, uh, both Gasol brothers, Serge Ibaka, we got our own Chris Depp Porzingis, Billy Hernan Gomez, and Frank Milikina. All destined to be top five MVP finishers, obviously. Nikola Jokic, Jokic, the Joker, uh, the Rooster, Danilo Gallinari. Caw, caw, caw. That's the sound roosters make, right? Some say it's cock and it'll do. But don't listen to them. Those are the same people who say the earth is round. You know what I'm saying? Nick Batum, the Batum Tomb Room, Dario Saric, Dennis Schroeder. So... I don't know, I mean, I would question, is it, does the NBA community not respect players who spent a couple years overseas? A lot of those guys were not drafted high, so I guess you could say that. Um, but you will notice that they're all foreign-born players. It almost seemed like you were uh, getting at that some of these American guys should go overseas instead of going to college. And you can make an argument for that, but I think you got to be careful. Um, if they don't speak the language, um, it could be a huge culture barrier. Um, you got people, you know, like Brandon Jennings, who did something similar, who didn't wind up being the biggest stars. So I think we have so many great foreign players now that they're going higher and higher. Like, I don't think Frank Nilakina would have gone as high as he did even five years ago. So I think the NBA community, if they haven't caught on already, um, is just about there. That's how I would answer that question. Kevin M. asks, I was excited watching the first preseason game, but found it so disheartening watching how poor the defense was, as usual. It's so frustrating that nothing changes at that end. What, in your opinion, needs to change? Is a scheme change or attitude adjustment enough to make a difference, or are we doomed to be poor defensively with the current roster? Really enjoying the show. Keep up the great work. Oh, why thank you, Kevin M. I do it for the fans. So here's what needs to happen that can happen this year for their defense to improve. Um, They need a clear scheme. They need to not be confused about rotations, about how they cover the pick and roll, about what the game plan is. These are all things that we've seen them just be utterly lost on in the last week of the season in years past. So they need some clear instruction and they need to have no doubt about what they're supposed to be doing defensively. Um, Not only do they need to know what the scheme is, but the schemes have to make sense. In the past, some of the Knicks schemes have included doubling every dumbass uh, who's made a shot. They need to really try to not double as frequently as they can. Um... Hornacek needs to also hold people accountable. He needs to give these guys the hook when they don't close out hard, when they don't fight over picks, when they don't provide adequate help defense. So I think these are all things that you can see happen this year. They're not guaranteed to happen, but you can see them happen, and it would have a positive effect on this group of players. That being said, we are talking about this group of players, and they lack defensive ability. 
I think Billy's defense uh, might be a little bit overrated because people keep talking about him in contrast to Cantor. He hasn't really shown me that he is even halfway decent at defense. He does have some lateral quickness. He's got quick feet in the post. I think there are signs that point to him being able to be an okay defender, but he's a long way away from that. Uh, The three spot figures to be just a black hole. A a real matador defensive spot on a night-to-night basis. Whether it's Beasley or McDermott. You know, Lance Thomas is good a defender as he can be, and I think he's slightly overrated there, just like Courtney Lee. It's hard to keep him on the floor with his offense, especially if he's not hitting the outside shot. Hardaway has improved on defense, but he may have gone from awful to average. I see no signs that he's above average. Um, But if he surprises people there, you know, the Knicks could be better defensively than we think, although I'm not holding out hope. I think his improvement is real. I think he's like an average defender now. But we already saw him fall asleep on a backdoor cut in the first preseason game. Things like that need to change if he wants to be a consistently plus defender. Frank is a bright spot, potentially, as is Dotson. Um, I rewatched some of that fourth quarter to see how he played. And he was very engaged on defense, very active hands. And I think depending on the makeup, uh, the matchup, excuse me, Ron Baker could be an okay defender. He's pretty slow. But he um, has good defensive instincts and tries very hard on that side of the court. Like I said, Lance is good, uh, but a little bit overrated and hard to keep on the floor. Uh, same with Courtney Lee. Um, Chris Stapps has elite rim protection, but this goes back to their schemes now and coaching. But he's pulled away from the rim more than he should be while playing the four, as he has to and does play for a variety of reasons. So I think they can inch up... The defensive rankings, but like no higher than 15th ranked defense by D rating this year. And that's if they hustle and are well coached, but that's like an absolute ceiling. And I don't really see them being any higher than the 20th ranked defense this year. Let's go with the prediction. Knicks finish, I'll be optimistic, ranked 19th in defense this year. Thanks for the question, Kevin M. This next question comes from Nicholas N. He asks, which lineups do you think will be best suited to keep KP out of foul trouble? Seems like that was the only thing hiding, holding him back at Eurobasket. I would guess that a unit of KP, Frankie, Ronnie, Lance, Cock could work okay in this respect. Cock, of course, being Kylo Quinn. Not a lot of shot creation there, but it could open up KP to go to work. So when we're talking about uh, keeping Porzingis out of foul trouble, which is important... He was horrendous in that regard (laughs) last year. You're talking about the defenders around him uh, staying in front of their man. You're talking about the defenders around him being aggressive and trying to switch back when KP gets switched on to a smaller defender because that's when he particularly tends to get in foul trouble when he's out in the perimeter. So I think this lineup, if I had to pick one right now, that would be the best for keeping him out of foul trouble, which is not to say this is necessarily the best lineup for Nick's success, but to maximize uh, you know, the defense around him. I think you've got Frank at the point. I think you got Dotson at the two. Well, he's a rookie, but I like what I see from him. Uh, Courtney Lee at the three, Lance at the four, and KP at the five. Um, so KP playing center 
keeps him out of foul trouble more. He may take a beating on his body, but he's not chasing guys around where he tends to reach when they get past him. He's very quick for a seven foot three guy, but if you're seven foot three, there's a limit to how quick your lateral quickness can be. Um, I think Frank and Dotson is the best perimeter defense we've got. Um, I want guards who are going to fight over screens and try to get their man back after switches, like I said before. Um, Lee at the three, Lance at the four. Is small, probably not going to work with, against the Pelicans with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins beasting all over the place. But Lance and Lee can both play up against small ball lineups. I think so. So, this is not a great lineup. Uh, offensively, this lineup could struggle, which just points to the fact that the Knicks are not an optimally configured roster. No surprise there. Jonas C. asks, I was wondering if you would prefer the Knicks suck for the next few years and get a good draft pick, or let the Knicks go as far as they can in the season and let KP take on more of a Giannis approach. Make the playoffs and get great experience from playing on a higher level. Therefore improving his future play slash confidence. So I definitely don't think it's best for them to suck for the next few years. I think this year's the year. Next year, you got KP in year four, you got 26-year-old Timmy, you got Frank in year two, Billy in year three. They gotta be better than the lottery next year. Um, But I think this year, you play the young kids, and you see what happens. If they make the playoffs, I think that's okay, honestly. You get some experience, and if they do make the playoffs, even in a bad Eastern Conference, it means a lot of things are going right for this team. And maybe you can get a better free agent than you thought you would when they have some money opened up after next year. Um, And I think that playoff experience, especially for a player like Chris Stapps, who's going to be the lead guy, um, is more important than some people might think. That being said, I'm okay with them. Not being great this year. You just you can't see you don't want to see like an eighteen win season. That's a complete disaster. Ideally they'd win like in the low thirties and everyone else is around there too. Even the worst teams. Like maybe the worst team has like twenty six wins, and then they're in the mix for a top three pick. I think that's the ideal for this season. Tyreek asks which coach in the NBA would bring out the most in KP if they became our head coach? Whose scheme would he thrive in besides Hornacek, LOL? LOL is right. I don't think Hornacek's necessarily the best coach in the league. Um, I'm going to go to who I think are the best coaches because I think the best coaches can get the most out of any player. So I think Greg Popovich is right at the top of the list. I mean, and he's had teams that can play in half court. They can play in transition. The same team can, you know, uh, mold their style of play to what the opposition is doing. I think he adapts and thrives to any situation. I think he's a genius, and he's the wokest coach in the league. So Greg Popovich would be my number one choice. Number two, sorry to say, Phil Jackson tried to get this guy, but Steve Kerr, he really is the wet dream, the Phil Jackson wet dream of blending a motion offense like the triangle with modern Maury Ball principles of, you know, getting most of your shots from uh, beyond the arc and at the rim on offense. And then, I'm going to say it, Knicks fans hate this guy for some reason. I'm not sure why, because that bum Carmelo ran him out of town. But Mike D'Antoni, he's not afraid to do the unconventional. And if there's one thing you can say about the guy, besides the fact that he had one of the best mustaches in the league, it's that he unleashes people's offensive potential better than just about 
any guy in the league. So those are my top three with a honorable mention to Dallas Mavericks coach Rick Carlisle. All right, we got a couple of sillier questions to round out the mailbag. But first, I want to tell you guys, all of you guys, about a little something called SeatGeek. Now, SeatGeek is an app that I want you to go and put on your phone after this is over. Let's be honest. If you go do it now, what's the matter with you? But right after the show's over, I want you to put the SeatGeek app on your phone and look for tickets to anything you need tickets for. You guys buy tickets to stuff, right? To sporting events, to comedy shows, to concerts that musicians put on, to Broadway shows like Cats. I've seen Cats nine times. It's uh, at the Winter Garden Theater. One of the greatest, you know, Broadway shows of all time. SeatGeek's going to get you there. Their tickets are fully guaranteed. You're not going to screw get screwed over by some huckster playing three-card Monty in Times Square. They grade the tickets so you know if it's a good ticket or not. Is this an A ticket? Is this an F ticket? Based on where it is, who they're playing, you know, the price of it, of course. I use SeatGeek all the time. Uh, Billy Joel just had his 90th show at Madison Square Garden. It was the 90th time that I've seen Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. In all 90 times, I use SeatGeek. You should do it too. And the best part is, your first purchase will get you $20 off with the code L-O-N-B-A. So go to SeatGeek now, get the app, and get your tickets. Alright, so Ricardo A. asks... Given Clyde's eventual retirement from from take that and rewind it back. Let's start over and make this question go clap. Ricardo A asks, given Clyde's eventual retirement from broadcasting live games, who should be his replacement? So, first of all, Ricardo, come on, man. Depressing as hell. I don't know if you guys watched that first preseason game, but the Knicks did an in-memoriam for every once-a-Nick, always-a-Nick who passed away during the offseason. And Clyde was, like, in tears. He's like, it's so sad watching these guys. And all I could think about was Clyde's mortality. He's getting up there. And now we got this question from Ricardo A. Ricardo, you're breaking my heart. But I also love you. I love all my fans. You know what I mean? Is that obnoxious to call you my fans? It's a little bit of a God-complex thing. Let's keep going. So Clyde's replacement, when that comes, heaven forbid, God forbid, it's got to be a Nick with the knack for gab. Choice number one, Charles Oakley. Um, I like that he would be mildly incomprehensible. Uh, it'd be, it would be a little bit difficult to hear what he was saying, but it would, be, it would be part of the fun. Like, Clyde adds all these R's to everything. It's like, the starting morning up for tonight... Is Chris Stapp's poor singers. Um, he, Oakley is just sort of all over the place. Different vibe, also fun. He's no nonsense. He's just going to like shit on everyone. He's going to tell them his true feelings about them. So that's, that's choice one. Choice 1A, it's got to be Patrick Ewing. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. <clears throat> Bring him on. Bring him on. 
to be back in the garden. But besides that, besides it being the right thing to do morally, uh, he's a coach. He's been a coach in the NBA for years. Now he's the head coach at Georgetown. He's got to have some insight. So I think he, you know, Clyde is very entertaining. Doesn't always have the most insightful commentary. Controversial opinion, I know. But I think Patrick uh, just makes a lot of sense. I'd love to see him in that booth. Hear him in that booth. Chris asks, Who other than Beasley chiefs the nug because they need it? I'm not sure if this is a question about who smokes weed in general, or about who smokes weed because they need to, or they'll lose their minds. But I'm going to go with the first interpretation. So who on the Knicks smokes weed besides Beasley? Number one candidate, Joakim Noah. His Instagram handle is stickity13. Anything with a version of sticky in it means the guy smokes weed. And he's a pacifist. When you smoke weed, uh, you realize that we're all in this thing together, that we should love each other. It opens your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul. Um, It makes you more sensual. All your senses are heightened. It's probably why Joakim Noah has long hair, rubs his fingers through it. You know what I mean? So he's candidate number one. Candidate number two may surprise some people. Ron Baker. I think no one with hair that shaggy hasn't smoked weed at least a little bit in their lives. You can't trust these Kansas glory boys with these big contracts sitting out preseason with their sprained ankles that they can dance on. Number three, Chris Depp's Porzingis, the franchise. Um, As we all know, he is steeped in American hip-hop culture. He wore braids when he was eight years old. And he's a big fan of Mellow's. And Mellow obviously smokes weed, let's be honest. Uh, Candidate number four in the Knicks, Kyle O'Quinn. He's too lovable not to. Right? Candidate number five, Billy Hernan Gomez. Very creative with his passing and his footwork and his post moves. Smoking pot, vaping pot, eating pot makes you more creative. Kids, if you're listening, do as much pot as you can. (laughs) I don't mean that. Only if you're of age. Do it if you're of age. It's irresponsible to do it before you're of age. Last but not least, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, I think he loses concentration on defense, which points to him favoring Indica. I think he should switch over to Sativa. It's more of a mind high. He'll be more alert. I think it'll be good for him. We got one last question to wrap up the Friday mailbag, and it comes from John R. He asks, which ex-Nick is most likely to be the one who feuds with Dolan during a home game during the 2017-18 season? John, I'm going to give you an outside-the-box answer, and that is Nick Legend Dick Barnett, the Skull, who not a lot of people know a lot about, but he was the only Nick starter from that 1970 championship team. Excuse me, my cat just jumped on the podcasting table like a monster. Dick Barnett, Rich Barnett, was the only starter from that 1970 championship team that hasn't had his jersey retired. Um, Clyde talks about this a lot. In one magic season in a basketball life, he thinks it's a disgrace the Knicks have not retired his number. I agree. He was one of the premier offensive forces in the league when he played. Dick Bartomat does not get nearly enough love. So I could see him being like, you know, I'd like to be, uh, have my jersey retired someday. Sure, that would be nice, like on a radio interview. And then Dolan accuses him of being an alcoholic and has him dragged out of a game. All right, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. I had a lot of fun. 
doing the mailbag. If you didn't get your question answered this time, you know, there's always next time. You never know. But I want to thank everyone who's submitting questions. I want to thank everyone who is listening to the show. I hope you guys had a good week with me <laughs> and Locked On Knicks. And I hope you have a good weekend. Don't get into too much uh, trouble. Avoid the book, beloved. Peace!